What's going on, guys? It's Mohammed, the host of Aware Alpha, and welcome to episode 87, 88. I'm not sure exactly which one this is going to be. Um, just want to say I'm super, super grateful. I'm feeling super thankful for life and where I am right now. And I'm very grateful for just having a platform that where I'm able to share my voice. And there's actually individuals that are listening to it, you know, and the podcast has grown drastically since 2020. And in the last six months, all the special guests that have come onto the show, I am really grateful for the feedback from the listeners and just not only are they listening you know for the purpose of entertainment but actually taking things away from all these guests and myself and truly implementing these things in their lives uh, from learning about masculine feminine energy to healing their childhood trauma and every other topic that we talk about and today i'm super excited i have another special guest on the show today, someone that I reached out to on Instagram, I feel called, I felt called to reaching out to this individual. And of course, if most of the listeners know how I go about finding these guests. So I felt called to reaching out to her. Her name is Janelle. Uh, she's also a coach, a healer. She helps individuals with the mother and father to be niche. Uh, but she has a ton of knowledge. I could see just uh, going over on Instagram and it's the stuff that she shares already. So I'm super excited to dive deep into a good conversation with her. And with that being said, Janelle, welcome to the Aware Alpha podcast. Thank you so, so much, Mohammed, for having me. It's such a pleasure. I'm so ready to just share my medicine with everyone on your platform and just go with whatever, mm. you know, whatever happens. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So one of the questions that comes off the top of my head here is, I am very curious to hear uh, what you have to say. What is childhood trauma or what is trauma mean to you? Mm, beautiful question. So I feel like the word trauma, a lot of times it's everyone has their own perception of it. But mm -hmm. my perception of trauma, especially having been an EMT in the past, mm -hmm. you know, I used to think as um, an EMT, I used to think trauma is something like cat catastrophic. Something awful, something car accident, someone's dying or on the verge of dying. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until I started getting to my healing journey a few years back that I realized it's really anything that put a shock to our nervous system. Mm. You know, a lot of times people say the big T, the small T. Mm. My perception of trauma is trauma is trauma. Mm. Whatever has affected our nervous system in such a way mm. that now we have to learn how to self-regulate from that and doing the tools to do so. That's my perception of trauma. It's anything that affected us and made us feel unsafe or fearful. I like that the moment. Oh, I mm -hmm. like that. Very good explanation. And you said EMT. What is exactly an EMT? Uh, emergency medical technician. So ambulance. Oh, I did okay. that for a couple of years. Yeah. Interesting. That's probably a uh, very good job to get introduced to just a lot of people that are you know dealing with trauma and experiencing trauma yeah I mean it was the ultimate space holder right mm -hmm. like I had that was like it kind of prepped me for my clients today you know yeah. I've dealt with so much in like real life scenarios mm -hmm. that now when I'm doing somatics and we're releasing the mother wound the father wound mm -hmm. I can hold that space because I've been in it mm -hmm. with experience no oh, that's amazing and you know you said trauma is something that anything that affects the nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. And most of the time when we are kids, 
you know, our nervous system is very fragile. So almost like even just, you know, feeling like I want a hug from mom and mom doesn't give me that hug, that could affect my nervous system because our nervous system is so fragile in those early days, right? I am curious to hear your thoughts on what do you mean by the nervous system? Is are it do emotions, feelings, and thoughts affect the nervous system or are emotions are the nervous system? Please tell mm-hmm. me more on that. Yeah. So going back to what you just said in regards to like say hypothetically, mom didn't show physical affection to the child. Mm-hmm. You know, this happens a lot with the mother wound or the father wound where a parent was um, had a child and the parent was depressed. And mm-hmm. in reality, we come into this world as children because we also need our parents. That's mm-hmm. why it's it's unfortunate when our parents don't show up for us the way we needed, which happens to unfortunately a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And when we don't have that regulation of our nervous system, which is like our emotions being um, catered to, caretakers, all of that, it affects us in such a way that we then have to find that safety or try elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, our parents are the one that kind of prime us from like zero to eight. Mm-hmm. But if our parents are not regulated and if they're not safe in their nervous system, because they're the ones that are supposed to help self-regulate us. They're mm-hmm. supposed to, we're supposed to go to them when we need them. Yes. But when we don't have that, like I said, we end up being lost in this world and then mm-hmm. until we get older. So I really think the nervous system regulation has a lot to do with, especially when it comes to childhood, it mm-hmm. comes to what needs were met and what needs were not. Mm. And what did we need most? What what were we like suffering from of not having? Mm, it's interesting. And you know, I feel like unless you lived in a perfect world where mom and dad were really there for you every second of the day and catered <laughs> to every emotion and you were the only child, and which is very rare. So mm-hmm. I believe that a lot of us do have some type of trauma and we got to work through this trauma. So Let's say somebody's in their 20s, you know, 25, 26, they listen to this podcast and they are also curious on getting into this work of regulating their nervous system, right? How do you Mm -hmm. go about this? Like, how do you go about discovering your traumas and healing your nervous system? Yeah. So first things first, I would say is looking back or looking at looking at your past and looking at the now and seeing what cycles keep being repeated. You know, when I started getting into my healing journey, I kept noticing I kept attracting emotionally unavailable partners time after time again. And my boundaries sucked. I had zero boundaries. I was a people pleaser. It was all of these scenarios that I felt like there needs to be, there was zero boundaries in regards to who I really was. Mm. So the first things first, I would say is have awareness of your past and the now. Mm. What happened in your past that you may be coping with, coping from? Whether with an addiction, whether it's workaholism, whether it's alcohol, whether it's pornography, whether it's Mm. whatever it is, Mm. asking yourself, am I suppressing something? So Mm. many of us think like just focus on the future and everything will be fine. Mm. But unfortunately, when we don't focus on the past, guess what? Mm. The future becomes the past Mm. with more scenarios. So to answer your question again, I would just say having awareness of your past and Mm -hmm. consistent and I mean, just being aware of patterns that you keep seeing. Mm -hmm. And that usually is an indicator that maybe we need to go into the trauma. You know, I know like when I was um, dealing with my father wound, 
I would be super enraged over small things. Mm. And that was my nervous system being like, what is going on right now? This does not feel safe. Mm. And then I realized I have to go into these parent wounds. Mm. So really getting um, aware of yourself of, is this normal behavior or is this behavior that maybe stemmed from my inner child acting out? Mm. And start questioning kind of why I am the way I am, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you don't have successful relationships, then it's like, how come I don't yeah, have there's, relationships? Yeah, there's more to just choosing the wrong partners. I used to think, oh, I just choose the wrong partners. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, it's because my subconscious is choosing them for me. So yeah. what do I need to rewire? What do I need to reprogram? Mm. And th- thank you, first of all, for being so transparent and actually sharing that. So in your case, what did you, because you mentioned you were a people pleaser and you were continuously mm-hmm. uh, attracting unavailable and emotional, unavailable partners, right? Uh, that were probably able, weren't able to hold space for you, able to do, you know, they were also dealing with their own things, right? So mm-hmm. how did you go about like what happened here? Like what made you curious on like, how did you get into where like, wow, like this is not, it's not dumb, it's me. And like, how, how did you open the can of worms and start to look into it? Yeah, great question. Um, so basically it's the emotionally unavailable men I, or the people, yeah, partners that I was dating. Hmm. I kept finding myself in it over and over again. And like you said, you tend to think, okay, it's them. Like it is them, but at the same time, I'm putting myself in those scenarios. Mm-hmm. So it's me too. I need to take responsibility of to why am I attracted to those types of people? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got out of a really toxic relationship mm-hmm. that I realized this is not healthy. And if I keep going down this road, I will not be here anymore. Like I was in suicidal ideation. Like I was, I was in such a dark place mm-hmm. because you can only keep dealing, like digging yourself into a hole a time and time again, until you start asking yourself, am I even worthy? Do mm-hmm. I even have self-worth? Why do I keep attracting people who can't give me what I need or who keep choosing other people over me? Mm-hmm. That was what kept happening. And I realized as I started doing the work and I got the help I needed working with some of the top therapists in the country was it all correlated back to my father wound. You know, I lost my father when I was nine to drug abuse Mm. and not having that father figure in my life. And and this goes for those who are listening, who have a parent, whether it's a mother or father who is physically in their life, but emotionally absent, Mm. regardless if your parent was in your life or they're emotionally absent, it does just as much damage Mm. So I kept attracting men like my father who were emotionally unavailable for me. Mm. Yeah. And then it was like the light bulb. And I was like, oh my God, destruction of my twenties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like all because I just didn't realize all mm. I was just repeating what I was shown from my parents. Yeah. You were literally manifesting your father every time. Oh my God. I was, I really was. And it was, And that is why I do the work I do now because I didn't know until my twenties what was going on. And I realized there must be so many other men and women out in this world right now that want to find love and want to find happiness and and step into who they truly are, Mm. but can't figure out how to do it or why they keep hitting a crossroad or why they keep hitting into like a brick wall. Mm. And it has to do with your parent wounds, you know, like, that's your foundation. That's like your first relationships into this world. And Mm -hmm. if they didn't set a good expectation, unfortunately, it's up to you when you're ready. 
and usually parent wounds start presenting themselves in your adult life. Mm. You don't realize it until things start getting sabotaged. Mm. Yeah. That's so cool. And so you discovered you like you brought the awareness, awareness came to you that you're like, wow, like I am literally manifesting my father in these intimate relationships. Like I'm just, I, I'm literally wanting what from these relationships, what I really wanted as a child from my father, you know, that I never got. Right. Yes, absolutely. And, and I want to say that's where like these terminology, like daddy, like daddy issues, all of that, you mm. know, which is kind of telling daddy issues. I feel that word is almost saying, the daughter has the issue, like that girl has the issue, but in reality it has a lot to do with a father who didn't show up for that daughter. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like it's put on the dot, the girl, the woman mm-hmm. over the man. And yeah. it's not to say who's right or wrong, but mm-hmm. it all stems back from that. I mean, one of my exes is, is 30 years older than me. And mm-hmm. I've never actually announced that just now. This is the first mm-hmm. time I'm announcing. No, I have no shame against it, mm-hmm. but it was like, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't, didn't think at the time I was dating my father, Mm. but it was that person who was more mature, Mm. older, that made my inner child feel safe. What I thought was safe because it really Mm. wasn't Yeah, yeah. because he was still emotionally unavailable. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's so interesting, you know, and first of all, so I just want to say thank you for sharing all that too. I super i appreciate the transparency and the authenticity mm-hmm. i'm sure everyone listening to as well so now and you realize that stuff right like you got to a point where like wow like i'm literally like in this space and the reason why i'm attracting all these unavailable partners and especially emotionally is because of what i actually went through as a child so yeah. and i am manifesting these things in my life so it's like full-on responsibility that we must take in order to do this work. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So what, what did you start to do? Did you start like journaling? Did you start like meditating? Did you start in you know, a child work and shadow work? Like what did that look like for you? Yeah. You got I, the awareness. I did it all. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'll tell you that <laughs> much. Um, I started journaling every day and journaling is beautiful. If you guys don't do it who are listening, I highly recommend it allows you to really just, brain dump everything that's in your mind and Mm. you will be so surprised. I mean, I've healed really toxic breakups and relationships by just journaling. And and then I end up having like an epiphany and then I end up having complete forgiveness for that person Mm. all through that journal prompt. And Mm. I just journal a lot. Um, Also, I would say going to shadow work. Yeah. Going into avenues and crevices in your past that you don't even want to look at. Mm. like I told like I said before the more we have what we avoid Mm -hmm. shows up in our life and and amplifies a thousand times more Mm -hmm. it's like what do you want to choose do you want to deal with it now or do you want to continue dealing with it for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. and I hate to say it like that but it's the truth no it's so true it's so true so yeah and I would say also like affirmations starting to really reprogram the subconscious because even though I told myself before I want an available man if I really had to be honest with myself I was not ready for that when the right part like when the healthy guy came I would be like no way no way goodbye it was like my body was so comfortable with the toxic the toxic partners Mm -hmm. so starting to reprogram 
Because you may say you love yourself, but if you truly do, why do you keep finding yourself in those types of situations? Mm-hmm. Very true. Very well said. And when you are in that stage where you are learning to love yourself and you got these traumas that you got to work through, the healthy masculine or in my case, the healthy feminine looks boring and doesn't look attractive. We wouldn't yes. even be attracted to that person because like, like you just wouldn't even like, like it looks no fighting. Are you kidding me? Calling me a king and treating me like a divine man. It's like, are you, you know, it's because it's a shock to ourselves, right? We are not seeing each other as like the divine king and queen that we are yet when we're in that stage. So when someone else sees it, we are just like laughing at them. Like, why you don't really know, like, you know, but really that's, it's crazy, right? Like that's the, another um, effects of trauma and like these, this work, right. That you can't even really like, you could say, I I want this man. I want this man. When they show up, you're like, no, that's not it. Like you can't receive, you're not ready to receive him like, or receive her. You could say you want a woman that is like the queen, but mm-hmm. can you handle all that comes with the queen? Mm-hmm. Have you done the work to be able yeah. to hold that space? And same goes with the woman that's looking for her king. It's like, yeah. can you receive him fully mm-hmm. and not allow projections to yeah. be put onto them? You know, of course, we're always healing. We're always working through triggers, but mm-hmm. it's doing the work so you can receive that divine masculine that divine feminine. And like you had said, you know, after my, uh, my last relationship was really healthy, which I'm so grateful for, because anytime before that, it was a mess. Mm -hmm. And basically, going into that relationship, it was so uncomfortable. Like, I kid you not, I remember we were living together. And it was just so hard for me to accept. And the only way I could truly accept it was going within and asking myself, okay, you know what the worst of the worst is like, mm-hmm. do you want to go back to that? And I was like, heck no. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just start accepting, but it's foreign. Like they say, the first um, healthy relationship after the toxic ones mm-hmm. is so hard because mm-hmm. <laughs> your nerve, your body is like, uh, like I, this is, this is what I deserve, but but it's really embodying it because now I'm so ready. Like the divine masculine, I'm ready 100%. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for the games, the fighting, mm-hmm. the energy, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I totally I've chosen that. myself. And like you said, it's choosing you. It's being that king, being that queen for yourself, and then being ready energetically for them to come in and creating that space for them to come in. Mm-hmm. I believe that you know we both have the feminine and masculine right so it's like when i have the when you know i have the healthy feminine and the healthy masculine that's when that you know the healthy feminine shows up right so it's like the outer world is a reflection of our inner world inner world right mm-hmm. so that's all it really is it's like i i was actually on the last podcast i was talking to one of my um one of the guests she's a great friend of mine and that I have started to, you know, like it's not right now, but actually for months and months, like I take baths and I really cater to my feminine energy, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I rose water and like all that good stuff. It's, it's, it's catering and treating the queen in me, right? And mm-hmm. like, that's how you know that you're ready and it's coming, that divine feminine queen is coming into your life because 
in your inner world, you're already catering to that queen, right? Look how you're treating your own queen, you know, taking baths and spraying rose water and eating good food and going for walks and going in the sun and all these things, getting being into the feelings, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, no, I love yeah. everything that you shared. I'm like, I just love everything that you're sharing. So the thought and the question that comes to my mind is like, how do you, like if somebody was like, okay, so how do you get ready for, let's say this healthy partner in our lives, right? So let's say you're dealing with all this trauma and stuff like that, and you start to do this work, right? So mm -hmm. what would your suggestion would be on a practical level if someone was like, how do I start manifesting this healthy partner or how do I start becoming or where I'm ready for this healthy partner because clearly mm. I'm not going to be or you know I'm going to probably push it off and I'm going to think it's boring so if right. one of your clients is saying that to you like what, what would you tell them yeah so first things first I would say is we can manifest anything in this life I, lifetime I truly believe Yeah. But if we haven't gone into healing our past, our childhood traumas, mm. you can manifest a person. Like we said, you can manifest the ideal man, like man or woman of your dreams. Mm. But if you haven't healed from your past, you are going to sabotage it. That's the thing about manifestation is, are you ready to receive like you had said? Mm. So the first things first, I would say even to a client, because when I'm working with my, my clients, I make sure that if they are single at the time, I say, stay single for the two months, three months that we're working together. So mm -hmm. you can put this time for you. You can learn how to, how it feels to choose yourself every morning, every day to get mm -hmm. to know who you are, to give yourself the needs that you needed from childhood that were never given to you. Mm -hmm. Like learning, stepping into your true authentic self, because if you don't step into that true authentic self, you don't know who you are. You don't know who you want. You think, you know, But it's not until you step fully into removing that mask mm -hmm. and stepping into your power and greatness that you know what is it that your heart yearns for. Yes. So I would say first things first, it's healing your past. Mm. Like I know I'm a healing coach and I know you probably hear that. Like people may hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kid you not. If you want to have a successful, healthy relationship, heal the past because the past triggers and everything is going to sabotage what's in front of you. Mm -hmm. So I always have my clients and if they are in a relationship, it's a little more challenging, but they do it. And then the relationships end up being even better because they're now able to set boundaries when they never did. Mm -hmm. So even if you are in a relationship, you can still heal. But what I would say is start choosing you. What does it look like to choose you? Like, like for me, what does it look like to choose Janelle? Mm. like truly what does it look like even maybe writing a list what is your ideal traits that your ideal partner man or woman wants of like what would they want of you and mm. not so much to write that list so you can be that for that person mm. but who do you how do you want to show up to the world mm. and start living in that but doing the healing work is crucial there's mm. no more spiritual bypassing bs i can't Like spiritual bypassing isn't going to get you where you need to. It may temporarily, mm -hmm. but then you're going to get right back at square one. Mm -hmm. There is no, there's no skipping this, you know, you can, you can try it. And then you get into an intimate relationship and whew, your inner child is going to be like, Oh my God, I need to get the hell out of here. Or, Oh right. my God, I need to. Yeah. That's why it's so important to get that inner child under control. Mm-hmm. 
So no, you don't have to throw that on to anyone else. Yes, no, it's very true. Um, you know, doing inner child work has done wonders for me. I actually made a post on it yesterday, my most recent post on Instagram. Um, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on like, my question is like, how do you start healing your inner child? And it, so it sounds very like, I won't even get deeper into it, but just for, I know a lot of listeners are getting into this work or discovering this work is how do you start to heal? Cause you were just talking about healing your past. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the beginning of this, we kind of did talk about uh, like your trauma and all these things. But like to ask this question, just like this, like, how do I start healing my past? Mm. So first things first is, of course, going into the past. <laughs> um, I like to do like a timeline, which I do with clients at times. So I have them do it. A timeline of different scenarios in your past from about zero to 20. Mm. You can do longer, but zero to 20 and just writing down what traumatic events do you remember? They don't have to be like the worst of the worst. You don't have to get into detail of them but just writing them so you know what you're talking about. Mm. And generally those are the points that are creating your, your current reality. Mm. Maybe mom wasn't around, maybe dad wasn't around. Okay, I'm feeling abandonment. And now guess what? I'm sensing that abandonment in adult life. Mm. So starting to go into different areas of your childhood, so inner child. And I truly believe that there's different inner child in mm. you, like the inner inner toddler, the teenager, the inner like young adult self. Mm. But first things first, for starters, I would say, start really trying to ask yourself, what happened? What do I need? Like, what do I want to work through? And more importantly, just know that inner child work isn't all dark and shadowy. Mm. The inner child is also the creativity, the hub of creativity. So doing things like what brought you happiness growing up? That way you can start balancing out. So when you are doing the inner child work and you are stepping into those uncharted territories, mm. you can start to also do things that uplift you at the same time. So there's balance between the two. Mm. Um, with my clients, I love to do an inner child connection meditation mm. uh, where they meet their inner child for the first time or reconnect. A lot of times I've noticed people say, yeah, I know inner child. Mm. And then I'm like, well, you totally just abandoned them again. <laughs> because if you've done inner child work and, I'm, and we're working together, or we're starting to work together and you forgot about them, it's really important to always implement them in your day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. You know, and one thing I would say with inner child, a lot of times people may think, oh, that's silly. But what the truth, like the truth is, is that younger part of you is always within you, no matter how old you are. And if anything, you know, you may even see people acting out as if they were a child and they're. 40, 50 years old. You know why? Mm -hmm. The chances are it's because that's their inner child acting out that has not been healed. Yeah. Or even shown attention. Yes. So true. I always say there we have a biological age and then we have an emotional age. Mm -hmm. And when you see those Love people that, that are uh, you know, you, like let's just say in your case, you're seeing a guy and then he's like all of a sudden just like fighting or paranoid. Why don't you text me on time? All the stuff like that. And it's like, there is biological age is 32, let's assume, but is emotional age is still six, seven. That's an unhealed inner child, right? Because from when so, dad or mom left him, exactly. you know, it's that exact time that brings right. you right back to that same pain point. As you know, it's not even usually that scenario that's happening now. Yeah. It's like that pain from before that's just amplifying. Yeah. No, to it's feel good. worse. 
Mm, I love. I that. would love to hear your input if you don't mind. I would love to hear um, inner child work for you. Ah. Because, uh, yeah, I just <laughs> love to hear. I'm curious. <laughs> no, I would love to. You know, it's very interesting. So on my podcast, I'm always interviewing guests, and like a lot of the listeners, they very uh, they know my story as well because. I talk, so I have done a lot of this inner child work, ego work, mm-hmm. shadow work, um, just healing my own self this last five, six years, right? Um, right. But on the podcast, I'm always putting the guest into the spotlight because I don't want to make it all about me because like I could talk about this stuff forever as well. Um, yeah. But no, I would love to, since, since you, the guest is actually requesting, I would love to answer. <laughs> I'd love to answer. Do you have like a specific question or? Like, yeah, I would love to know, like, um, how did you get into inner child work and what's, what's a tip that you would give to someone? I mean, this probably could help me too. And for the clients, <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> no, it's amazing. Yeah, no, I have. Uh, so for me, when it comes to it, doing inner child work, I started to do inner child work like two years ago, two, three years ago, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, I didn't even know anything about my inner child. I was already doing shadow work probably for a year or so way before that. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I got into an intimate partner, uh, one, of my, one of my first healthy relationships. And it was one of the most beautiful things ever. Uh, me and that person, you know, she, she introduced me to my inner child. Um, because I was always very ambitious, disciplined, just going after things, making things happen in my life. And me and her got together. Um, who knows? You might be even end up listening to this podcast. Uh, (laughs) and so we, yeah, we got, I got into an intimate relationship with her. I, prior to that, I was like, I am good. I am the divine King. Like I got, like, I'm good. Like I, like I am very well, somebody, an example of an embodied masculine, and mm-hmm. I thought I had done all the work. And then I get into this intimate relationship within the first three to six months. I am just like, why don't you text me? Why don't you love me? Oh my God. Like mm-hmm. I just got full of abandonment issues, full of abandonment issues that I had, which got a lot of the works to start for me all over again, because I've always been a very curious soul. And I'm like, I've always been willing to just become my most aware self, whatever it takes and whatever it's required. So me and her, like she was very aware. We would, we would talk very openly. We would share everything openly. Like, this is how I feel when you don't text me on time. This is how I feel when I don't hear from you. What can we do about it? How can we navigate to this? Why is this actually happening to me? Why do I act like a seven-year-old when, you know, and realizing like, holy shit, you are my baby girl, but I'm actually expecting you to do things my mother did. And like, we really talked about all these things, right? Um, but that was the beginning of me. She introduced me, I always say, to my inner child. And well, that's one wow. of the things that I'm super grateful for her. So once she introduced me to my inner child, I started to do the inner child work. So one of the things I do, and I still actually do, is like I would just journal. I would journal and I would write letters to my inner child. Mm-hmm. Uh, I so love I that. write to my six-year-old, five-year-old, stuff like that. Uh, another thing I would do is I would just sit with myself and I would think about, you know, scenarios about anything that just came to my mind. And right away, if I would just sit in my emotions, you know, let's, let's say if like she texted me and I did like, or she didn't text me for like 20 minutes or an hour or whatever it was. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I felt like, you know, I felt o- emotionally overwhelmed. I would sit there and like, okay, 
what did I feel this right now? Okay, well, I feel this right here on my chest. You're okay. What, what am I feeling? What's, and then I would name the emotion I call it. Oh, this feels uh, paranoid. Okay, why do I feel paranoid right now? Okay, this is reminding me of a time when little Momo, and I call my inner child little Momo. So I'm like, I love that. Oh, oh little Momo. Uh, this is reminding of the time when mom left and she wasn't around. Okay, I just want you to know that you're safe here. You're safe here. You're safe with me. And I would just yes. breathe, in, breathe out into my body, breathe in, breathe out into my body. Mm-hmm. And then slowly I start to work all these emotions, right? Uh, another th- thing I would do is I cry. I would sit in my meditations and tears would come and I would just cry. And I would just cry and cry and cry, let it all out. And after I would feel so good. And then I would just, you know, whenever I was sitting in my meditations, uh, I went and did like a 10 day silent meditation retreat. That was kind of like the, one of the beginning things that really started uh, a lot of this work for me uh, prior mm-hmm. to even doing the inner child work and that intimate relationship. But those are, yeah, those are some things that I do. And in, around the same time when I started inner child work is I started to do a lot of ego work as well, uh, because we, we create the ego is comes to protect the inner child. Right. Mm-hmm. So what's that saying that the monster I created is to protect the child in me right so that's the ego right so i started to do ego work because i realized that in my relation everywhere like it had helped me a lot like ego is there's nothing wrong with ego ego is a beautiful thing it's a part of us we must just love it well we must become aware enough to not let it be in the driver's seat you know it has its spot but you cannot be in the driver's seat and i realized at one point that my ego was in the driver's seat for a long time which helped me a lot achieve a lot of things in my life but I realized I'm like, okay, so now though, in order to have a divine conscious relationship, the ego cannot be influencing these decisions and my feelings and my emotions. My authentic self has to be in the driver's seat. So my ego as well, when you, like I've done ego work, you're supposed to name your uh, ego as well. My ego, I call it Hunter. So, so I have a lot of conversations with myself. So like where all the three, four of us are talking, like I will sit there and like, little moment what do you need the most from me right now and then you know hunter will come in like you know i just want to you know i'm like hunter this i did not ask you it's muhammad mm-hmm. so, that's another thing that i do i talk a lot with myself like me too like, it's normal I, right if you're not so, talking out loud to yourself um, but those are yeah those are some things that i uh, <laughs> that i guess i could share if you have any other questions i am thank uh, you for sharing that thank you for your transparency no it's really problem. nice to hear that as well. It's so important for us to be transparent so other listeners and just other people can mm-hmm. see like the rawness and authenticness of where it's stemming from. It's not just do inner child work. It's like, no, this is why. Do yeah. Heal your parent wounds. This is why. Because I we've done like the darkness has happened to us. So exactly. thank you for sharing that. And I, I totally agree. It's like doing the check-ins with the inner child, the journaling, all of that. So powerful. And, and stepping in to when you notice that, because the ego, I truly believe there's no death of the ego, but yeah. what we can do is we can befriend the ego. Yeah, exactly. No, it's very true. And also I do, so I take a lot of, uh, I take my inner child on a lot of dates. So I, there's a lot of times that I spend, a, I spend a lot of time with myself, even though I'm a social butterfly, like I love to make friends and I just got back from a retreat. I'm always around people in a way, like I have an amazing circle. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I do. Yeah. Like I take a lot of time consciously to spend time with myself and then spend time with my inner child, spend time with the feminine, you know, like making sure spending time doing things that are, I'm in my feminine energy where I'm expressing my creativity. I'm expressing my feelings, whether that's in a safe spot with some friends in my inner circle or with myself to simply just, you know, and then uh, I share this a lot in my, like the program with the Zen guide to freedom from porn is so when I am in my feminine in, so I do a lot of massages. So I call it self-pleasure. So it's mm-hmm. not uh, like there's different with ma- between masturbation and self-pleasure. So self-pleasure is learning to love all parts of the body, right? Because mm-hmm. we have a lot of uh, the emotions that we feel they're all like, they can be suppressed. And it stays in the body. That's why we have, you know, pain in your kidney and lungs and stuff like that. Because a lot of it's, you know, it's actually emotional pain that we suppress yes. into the body. So I, I like literally massage myself all over and I sit with those and I give that love to my body. So that could be a form of self-love to where like you're catering to the feminine or at the same time, it could be a type of inner child work, which is the same thing, right? It's you're just this is a form of self-love like i am yeah. learning to love all parts of myself in a physical matter right which only just infuses more self-love and when i always say like once you truly learn to love yourself the validation and the compliments and the credibility that we were seeking out before we can actually give it to ourselves so it's like, and once you get in that space, it's become super powerful because now in that space, like I'm, I'm not manifest. Like I will say this, I'm like, I am my soul's mate, you know? Mm, yeah. So I'm not even like at this point in my life, I, I have amazing women in my life, many of them. Yet it's like, there's no need for any of them. It's just a want to want to share ex- this beautiful experience that I'm in with other people. There's no need for any of them because I am able to give all that I require to myself. Right. So it's almost Absolutely. like a, a very, like it, it can, it, it just, it's, it's, it's a good place to be, but yet you also get, you're like, it becomes like a dangerous place because you're like, I don't need any of you guys. <laughs> Anyone. I totally can relate to that. Yeah. It's yeah. coming to that level of self-acceptance, you know, and like you said, um, just like embracing who you are in all parts of you, because a lot of times when we come from that feeling of wanting, mm-hmm. wanting someone like in that forceful energy, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's not what we really thought we wanted. And we came from a place of how can this person fulfill my needs versus mm-hmm. I'm fulfilling my needs and it would be nice to have them accompany me in this journey called life together. Exactly. No, um, question that comes to my mind is what yeah. is a trauma bond? <laughs> um, all my past relationships. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, trauma bond. So what I've noticed a lot with trauma bond, it's, it's two people who have dealt with trauma and that has not been resolved. And a lot of times it's that spark that you see. I don't want to say always, but it's that you feel that like automatic high when you meet someone and that automatic magnetism, the chances of that being a trauma bond is very high. Yeah. Yeah. Cause in reality, I truly feel true love is a slow burn. Not a like, this is it right now. Like that's a forceful thing that could honestly, like with me, like almost destroyed my life. 
thinking that's what it was. And what I'm realizing a lot of is from past clients that I've worked with is when they have a mother or father wound, a lot of times those unhealed parent wounds are the bond of the two of them. They may not even realize, but it's like they're both acting out in their parent wounds of what they didn't receive. Mm. Yeah. So it's just like a lot of toxicness, I would say, but it's a lot of like triggering and projections and no one really understanding why they're acting in that way. Mm. So So destructive, so destructive. So pretty much what you're saying is like trauma bond is meaning like two people that feel like they have a bond. But really, it's a trauma bond, meaning that they're both coming from a place of full trauma and they are they have a bond, but it's not healthy at all. Yeah, it's coming from like woundedness. You know, I feel like a lot of those trauma bonds also are like focused with sex. That was like my past. It was like it was all focused on that, like sexual chemistry, but not so much the actual true intimacy into me. You see. Yeah like sex is easy yeah but what about when the person actually wants to get to know you for you mm-hmm. that's what people run away from yeah they're not ready to receive that mm-hmm. so really- I, i've noticed a lot of the trauma bonds are also focused a lot on like the physical part of intimacy mm-hmm. versus the actual getting to know that person because you you know because you're so wounded that that's all you know is okay sex equals love but love does not like sex does not equal love Mm-hmm. And they're both running from themselves from, you know, they're running from themselves. She's running from themselves. And then they, they find each other, but really they're not willing to find themselves. And, and it's like, because enmeshment. Possible, right. Yeah. Then it becomes one huge enmeshment of one another and energies being so mixed and you don't even know who your own, en- like what your own energy is. And they're just, you know, it, it's, it's really unhealthy, I would say. And it's a lot to do with people who like you haven't healed yourself, you haven't began the healing, because I truly feel you're never truly going to be healed completely, you're always going to be doing the work. But if you want to bring someone into your life, make sure you're doing the work, because it's not fair for you to project all of your shit onto them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Say it louder for the people in the back. (laughs) I didn't know if I could swear. So I was like, (laughs) no, you're good. We can talk. But basically, (laughs) it's like, you know, it's, it's deal with your own stuff. Mm -hmm. So you can attract the ideal relationship, learn how to set boundaries, you can stop people pleasing, like, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people pleasers are from parent pleasing. It's all you were shown, but that doesn't mean that's what you're supposed to be doing. That doesn't mean that's right. Mm -hmm. No, it's so true. At what stage would you say that you started to learn about boundaries and you start to set boundaries? Mm. I would say, I would say like it was in the beginning of my healing journey. I started getting comfortable because I had no idea I didn't have boundaries. That was the problem. I had no idea I didn't have boundaries and I didn't even know like boundaries was a thing that it was okay for me to do and set. Mm. So I would say in the beginning of my healing journey was when I started just asking myself like what feels right to me? What doesn't feel right to me? Is it a full body? Yes. Okay. Then that's a good thing. Is it a maybe? Then that's a no. So really having discernment with self. And then I was then able to slowly start setting boundaries with others. But it's almost like I had to begin creating boundaries within myself to Mm. create that safety. So I I was able to feel safe when voicing in dialogue to others. Mm. What do you would you say, like, I was your experience being 
when you start to set boundaries? Because I'm sure some people weren't very welcoming when you express your boundaries and not just intimate partners, but siblings, family members, friends, whoever. So what has your experience been when you start to set boundaries? Absolutely. So when it comes to setting boundaries with people you already know, that's probably one of the most difficult versus setting boundaries with someone you just meet because that person, you know, already knows like who you are or who they they think, you know, who you are because you're stepping into who you really are. But so when you start setting a boundary with them, there might have a lot of pushback. It's like, what the heck? Like, stop that. No, you know, so it's really learning to, to step into that and knowing that their actions have nothing to do with you. Mm. So it's starting to just understand that not everyone's going to be okay with what you say, like the boundary you set. And that's okay. You need to stay true to you regardless. And a lot of times when it comes to, especially with my clients and learning how to set boundaries in the beginning, they get so uncomfortable and so nervous and so scared, which is normal because you're literally doing something different from what you've been doing. Yeah. So it's starting to create that muscle. It's going to be hard in the beginning, but just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not worth it and doesn't mean it's not going to benefit you in the end. Mm, that's amazing. So uh, let's just give uh, you know, the listeners something practical. Let's say somebody is like, yes, like I am working on setting boundaries and I want to set some boundaries because setting boundaries seems like the perfect thing to you know protect me from falling into these unhealthy relationships. I have, you know, unhealthy conversations with my family. Like, you know, a good example would be like, my mom will call me any time of the day or my dad will text me any time of the day and expect me to drop everything and just go about what they need. And like, I need some boundaries in my life. Mm. How would you suggest somebody to go about setting boundaries and, you know, and yeah, setting some new boundaries? Like, what does that look like on a practical level? Like, I feel yeah. like, like, what does the business plan of boundaries look like? <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so first things first is I would say getting clear on your core values. Yeah. What are you going to accept? What do you want to accept? And that's going to be like the fine line of, am I being respected or not? If you want someone who's respectful, someone who values what you say, it's like being very precise. I always tell my clients, like get really clear on your core values because mm. your core values is basically like the structure of the boundaries of what you're going to allow and what you're not going to allow. Your nego- negotiables and your non-negotiables. And then starting asking yourself, does this even feel right? That's why it's so important to start connecting with the body. When we've dealt with trauma, the yeah. trauma pushes us away from that, like creates a disconnection with the body and our intuition mm. where we sometimes have a hard time saying, well, is this okay, actually? Mm. Or is it, or am I just so used to doing it? It's okay. Mm. So really starting to have that discernment. So if, for example, if you have a parent, like you had um, said, that keeps calling, it's really asking yourself, do I want to answer? Yeah, I can set the boundary, but that doesn't mean they're going to respect it. But I need to stay true to me. Mm. Yeah, so I would say definitely the core values, getting clear on that, and then understanding I always say use I statements, mm-hmm. always take responsibility for yourself because it creates that um, charge on the other person to be less than granted. We can't control how people react, but what we can do is we can control how we relay over our boundaries. Mm. No, that's perfect. You know, one of the things that just comes to my mind is we were talking about earlier about 
you know, healing your past and healing mm-hmm. your trauma and then actually start looking into it on, you know, from zero to 20 years old. Think about everything that traumatic that happened to you, right? Bullying, um, everything. Yeah, not just your parents, just everything. Right. So now in a scenario where, you know, it's not as rare, but when we have very traumatic experiences, right, uh, whether, you know, it's rape, war, you know, like I had very traumatic experiences when I was a kid that I actually didn't even know, like I didn't even remember. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I sat there to remember, like what really happened, like I didn't remember anything till I was 20, I'm 32 now. So like when I started to do a lot of this work, probably 29, like I didn't even know, like I had no idea. So I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, like, so to be transparent here, I was in that intimate relationship, right? And Mm -hmm. six months, eight months into it, I'm realizing like I have abandonment issues. I have all these things and like, okay, so I had, you know, mom and dad had like weren't there for me. And like, we grew up in this very dramatic life. I grew up in war and all that in the Middle East. And so I realized this stuff. Right. And then one day my little sister, she was like, Muhammad, it's like, you're acting like you don't even know what we really went through. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, she's like, you don't remember like the things that we went through, you know, the, 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 the war, seeing dead bodies and people getting killed in front of us, seeing people's brains get blown up right in front of us at age five, six, seven years old. Like, and I didn't remember any of these. Mm. And that was the beginning of me remembering these things, right? The beginning of me actually I'm like, oh, wow. And then that was me actually starting to journal, starting to, and then she's like, and then the one day she's like, you don't remember, she's like, that's why you never watch war movies. That's why you never, you know, don't you like, and I, and I was like, what? I, I, what do you mean? She's like, every time we ever would go to play a war movie, you just like, nah, let's watch something comedy or watch something. Mm. And I never even connected them with anything. I just thought like, I like comedy. Like, why am I watching anything that's not, right? So, so she started to share a lot of stories with me that actually were a, a trauma response, right? Like it was like I had learned to just go through this down this path because that path I didn't want to go down. And then when she finally started to share those with me is when I realized the reason why I don't want to go down that path is because of things that I actually experienced when I was a child and as I was a kid and the things that I went through, right? So the reason why I'm sharing this is, so let's say there are people, and I'm, this is something like, obviously, you don't necessarily need to have the answers for it. But I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on it, on mm-hmm. individuals that went through experiences that have totally disassociated and don't remember. And they're in this stage of their life, and they might just be like, you know what, like, I don't know why my girlfriend doesn't message me or doesn't text me on a, a, a certain time or something, and I just feel totally par annoyed like she's going to leave me she doesn't love me she doesn't want to be there for me and of course there's times where it's an it's actually an unhealthy relationship and but we're talking about where when we actually have a good partner and Mm -hmm. we're going through all these things and then we end up like i don't know why i do this i don't know why this is happening and then we get into this work where we slowly start to discover that this is all a projection of our childhood and we went through these experiences right so I'm curious in a way, just to hear your thoughts in the sense of like, how do you, let's say like you have clients that don't even know, right? They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I did the journaling. I did the remembering. I went, sat down from zero to 20 years and 
like nothing happened. Like my life was pretty good. You know, mom was pretty good. That was pretty good. Like we grew up on a nice farm and this happened and like, they don't actually remember. And then right. I'll do, and, but that person might've been raped, but they don't mm-hmm. remember. And all of a sudden, like, I don't know what you would share with them or what, like, this is where I'm going to give the mic to you. Um, <laughs> that for them to remember you know would mm-hmm. you tell them like no no you got to go back you got there has to be something or like how do you go yeah about- so first things first is I don't um when it comes to like abuse or all of that yeah. I, I don't put my clients back in that scenario yeah. regardless if they remembered it or not yeah uh, I just do that for like their own safety yeah. But one thing we will say is the nervous system acts like a blessing and a curse, which is exactly why you re- experience what you experience. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times if it's too much for the nervous system, it will just shut things down to protect us. But at the same time, those emotions, those feelings are still stuck in the body. Like the book from the body keeps score. So mm-hmm. true. The emotions are still stuck. So we may not remember the scenario and we don't have to go back to the scenario. That's mm-hmm. why my coaching is really structured on somatics. It's feeling your feelings to release them. We don't talk every week about the mother and father wounds. Like no way in heck. That's just, yeah. That would get us nowhere. Yeah. That's just so um, analytical thinking. It's the soma, the body, yeah. releasing those emotions. So one thing I have realized is even with clients who don't remember their past, and if you don't remember, that's okay. You don't have to force yourself. Mm-hmm. And surely enough, you'll realize the more work you begin doing, like I've had, I happened, it happened to me like a couple weeks ago and it always happens. It's like these traumatic events just show up in my head. Like I'll be mountain biking and I'm just like, oh my God, I remember that time. And it's just out of nowhere, but it's because your body is starting to let things go and being like, okay, she's ready to process it. He's ready to process it because now you can handle it before you okay. couldn't. So when it comes to trauma and not remembering, I'm a firm believer that your body, those feelings are still in your body. And that's why energy, energy work, like what I do, it's so important because you may not even realize how much anger you truly have within you Mm -hmm. until you're in a session or how much sadness you truly have. And it doesn't matter where that sadness or anger is coming from. As you know, it's it's releasing it, getting it the hell out of your body Mm -hmm. energetically so you can step more into your authentic self because that's what's hiding you from your authentic self is mm-hmm. that suppre- those suppressed emotions, despite what could have happened, they're still in the body. Mm. And another way, like what I got from everything you were just sharing is that when the body starts to feel safe, it will start mm-hmm. to remember, you know? Absolutely. When the inner child starts to feel safe for once, it will start to remember more and more and more right mm-hmm. mm. yeah and some people get scared when I tell clients I'm like no 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 you're going to be ready to receive it more than likely um sorry I'm about to sneeze right now that's all good Bless okay you. we're good yeah. <laughs> we're good we're good um yeah you're ready to receive those stories yeah like you said the safer you feel in your body the more you're able to see it especially me like I was dealing with um sexual shame of something that happened when I was growing up yeah. And I didn't realize why I felt so disconnected from my body, like sexually, mm. like healing wise, I am and everything. And that's what I started going into a couple months ago. And now I'm like on the other side, which is beautiful. But I didn't realize there was so much shame when it came to like, um, just like self-pleasure, all of that stuff. And I had no idea where it stemmed from. Mm. And then I was mountain biking with one of my girlfriends. And then it, all of a sudden I was like, 
so exhausted. My body was, I was just, we were doing like miles of biking and I was just sitting on the ground and I was just like in deep surrender and guess what came up in yeah. that moment. And it's because my body was in such surrender mode mm. that it was like, remember this? And I was like, it all makes sense. Mm. <laughs> so it's also like safety and surrender of mm -hmm. when you're ready to receive that message. And I was working through it. So the more you work through it, the body's like, okay, she's ready to receive this because this is what she's working through right now. Yes. No, so true. When the, another good way of saying is when the student is ready, the teacher appears. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And then my girlfriend that I was with, she's like, oh my God, now I understand why this. So then she had her own epiphany too. It was like, yeah. we both were like, oh my God, this is where shame came from. Mm. You know, it's interesting because one of the things I do with women clients is that um, like self-pleasure sessions, you know? So if you have your client calls, your work calls and you're going to the gym, how many times in the week do you have carved in your calendar a self-pleasure session? And a lot of them that are, you know, dealing with a lot of sexual shame, trauma and pretty much any type of self-love issue like i i only do it when i feel like it it's like so you are doing all these other things but to love your body to love yourself you don't have time set up on a calendar for that right so usually some of the early work i do is to like literally carve on sundays when you plan your week okay thursday night 45 minutes you know, Saturday morning, 45, whatever time is, but like you actually set 45 minute time where everything's shut off, good music, candles, roses, and you are pleasuring yourself. And it's not necessarily mm -hmm. actually planned privately, but like all of yourself. Just and like Ayurveda. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times that it's like, if you feel triggered by the idea of pleasuring yourself and loving yourself, you have to look deeper within that why is there a part of you that is not okay with you loving yourself mm -hmm. and looking through that right so but yeah no that's amazing thank you so much for sharing that so yeah it's just it's, it's healing you know healing is so eventful there's always something <laughs> new to work on <laughs> <laughs> yes there is um I love the way you look at it um so the thought that comes to my mind is that how old are you I'm 27 okay so 27 right I'm 32 and realistically, it looks like that we turned out really well, right? Like we turned out really well. So, so one could be like, okay, so like everything that happened, all that trauma, all that childhood trauma and all that stuff like that, good thing it happened because look at us. How did we turn out? We turned out really well, right? So my question yeah. to you is how important is it? for us or for anyone to grow in a healthy relationship as a as a child so like what to go deeper into this is and the, the idea of pretty much what if you did grow up in a healthy home where mom and dad were there for you and there wasn't as much trauma how would you have really turned out then mm -hmm. Right. I wouldn't have been doing what I'm doing. Like I wouldn't be able to help people through what I've experienced. You know, looking mm -hmm. back at who I was, I have people who knew me from way back and they're like, you are a completely different person. I'm like, yeah. I mean, I was sex, drugs, alcohol, sugar daddies. Like yeah. I was doing it all. Yeah. I was in a really dark place. 
And yeah. now I'm in such a different place of like self-love and and just helping and of service and my mission of just helping others reclaim their power. Mm-hmm. I never would have thought. And like, like if it wasn't for losing my father, it, it was like my father was a catalyst, losing my dad to drugs and and at that age. It was the catalyst of the purpose I've been set on this earth to do. Mm. And just you know? that sense of gratitude, right? And it, it's, it's interesting so to me because I'm like, like I, to have this trauma, like going through the things that I did has made me the man that I am. So sometimes mm-hmm. when I have those moments where I'm like, I wonder what it would have been like to grow in a healthy household. You know, having mom and dad that were fully there for me, emotionally there for me, loved me. And a, ma- a, ma- a father that was fully there for me. My father wasn't masculine at all. So it's like, imagine if I did have that masculine role and did all stuff like that. So maybe then I wouldn't have gone through some of the things that I would have gone in my early teens. I was a rebellious teen, you know, like charging mm-hmm. narcotics at an early age, trafficking. And this, I was a very wild boy. Yeah. <laughs> and, so I'm like, okay, I guess maybe those things wouldn't have happened. But then when I look back, I'm like, those are exactly the things that made me the man I am today, being the just the divine king that I believe that I am. So it's like, so then there's nothing wrong with it. So I'm in this moment in my life where I'm starting to look at all those experiences that I went through in as a blessing. So when I work with someone or if I'm sharing the story with someone, I'm like, everything that you went through is actually a beautiful experience. It's making you and made you into who you are today. And you just got to look at those as lessons and look at those as guidelines and to doing the work that you're required to do. We're always have to do some kind of work where whatever it is aligned around. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like, and also it's like to truly feel the light, you have to go to darkness. So it's like, amen to that right so yeah. it's like yeah it's just interesting and I don't even know where I'm going with this but it's just like no I love it's just, it you know it's it's just it's crazy. just and I love yeah exactly and it's so important for like um like what you do in regards to your course or mm-hmm. coaching and focus yeah. on the pornography yeah. I'm sure don't get don't please correct me if I'm wrong it's yeah. because of what you experience and yeah. same with me and like parent wounds the mother father wound it's like I can help people now because of what I've experienced. Like mm-hmm. I've gone through the darkness. I've gone to, re- like I had to go to rehab, all that stuff mm. that now I'm in such a high place that I can be that. Like, like, look at me. Mm-hmm. Like I was a hot mess before and now I don't, I'm sober. I don't even drink or anything by choice. Yeah. I just don't want to. I have no, like I did nothing to suppress. And if those who drink casually, that's fine too. But when I was drinking and I was partying, it was all just because I was numbing the heck out of my body. Mm. And it's like being able to be like those catalysts for those people that we help. Yeah. Telling like being that you can make it. Yeah. You can do it. Yes. No, it's so good. Man, this has been so this good. Really, yeah, this is a great. This is so great. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Uh, as we finish off this podcast, uh, please let everybody know where they can find you. I'm going to uh, enter all your de- uh, details and your information in the detail section of the podcast. So whoever that listens to this, that wants to reach out to you, work with you, all that stuff, they can find you. Yeah. So please let them know where they can find you. Absolutely. So um, again, my name is Chanel Gorman. I'm a father and mother wound coach. 
I take clients one-on-one group coaching and I'm a keynote speaker. So if you ever need anyone for a speaking event, I'm your girl. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Janelle.Gorman, G-E-N-E-L-L.G-O-R-M-A-N. And you'll find all of my stuff there. I'm, I'm branching out to TikTok and stuff, but Instagram is my main platform for right now. And again, I do group coaching one-on-one and I help people reclaim their power through anything they went through with their mother or father. And it doesn't have to be just a physical abuse or anything like that. It could just be a parent who is emotionally unavailable to you. Because mm. like I said, it does just as much damage not getting your needs met. Mm. Thank you so much for having me. This, Like you said, this was freaking amazing. This was so good. So much channeling. So much channeling. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, no, I just want to say, no, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was truly amazing. And I usually do say to some of the guests, it all depends on how the feedback is and everyone that listens to this, there's potential that I would bring you onto the show again and in, later into the year. Uh, so we can definitely look forward to that. And lastly, yeah, thank you so much. And it was truly, truly a blessing here to have you on this podcast. And Beautiful. as we finish off the podcast here for the listeners, I do want to set some intentions um, like I always do. My intentions are for you to truly listen to this information and take it to heart and start to use some of these information and the practical tips, tools, and tricks that we shared to implement it in your day-to-day life. Uh, My intentions are for you to realize that you have all that you require to live a great life within yourself. You are divine. You are special. You're unique. Uh, My intentions are for you to discover the light within yourself And my intentions are lastly for you to truly realize the power of self-love, power of gratitude, and the power of doing this so-called inner work. And lastly, until next time, stay an aware alpha. Mm